0: Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast series that explores financial complexities and modern strategies for the discerning investor. Brought to you by Ropan Financial Services.
1: Now to our host. Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, presented to you by Ropan Financial Services. My name is John Calabro and I'll be your host today. I'm joined once again by the directors of Ropan Financial Services, Rodney Gillam and Jason Ponozzo-Tillier to discuss all things wealth how are you both today
2: good morning John great to hear I was first again <laughs> good morning John uh, whatever it takes yeah that's it <laughs> broke the ego uh,
1: <laughs> good to be back in the podcast uh, booth so to speak today with you guys it's been a little while
2: yeah it has been a while there's been a lot happened since we last caught up
1: mm-hmm mm. has there not been a lot happen indeed mm, tell cool. me um, how's the feedback have you had some people uh, hearing the podcast
2: there's definitely been a few, and hmm. as you mentioned, if people are telling you they're listening, then um, there's others out there as well, so that's fairly positive. That's the hope. Yeah, Jason? Yeah, likewise. Um,
0: in fact, uh, staff and people from outside have been listening, and the feedback's been good. Yeah, um,
1: yeah keep it rolling. So if anyone out there is listening, make sure you reach out to JC and Rodney and... um. Let them know that, uh, that you've, you've had a listen and let them know your feedback because we can certainly uh, look to adapt that into future podcasts. Hmm. Guys, since the last podcast, there has been quite a bit on the go. Quite a lot of news. Um, we've, had, uh, we've had some military action in Russia and Ukraine, which has caused some ripple effects around the world. We've had the stock market uh, ducking and diving. We've hmm. had interest rates. Why don't you guys tell me what... How, how are things going? <laughs> I think predictable,
0: John. I mean, uh, volatility, market changes, interaction, demand supply factors, uh, they continue on just in varying forms, and the approach is to adapt to that environment. What do you make of the Russian situation, Jason? Oh, gosh, where do you start with that one? Politically unstabling, economically volatile, food issues, energy issues, commodity supply, geopolitical tensions, posturing in the marketplace with regard to demand and supply, not to mention the casualties as a
2: result of that warfare. The Russians at the moment are holding out on the energy. Are they trying to have the sanctions loosened? Uh, Funnily
0: enough, the EU has actually started to ease the sanctions as a consequence to the last... Um, restriction on the Nord Stream 1 gas supply line into Europe from Russia. So there is this uh, jockeying going on in regard to economic trade-off and what that could mean. Um, and I think uh, that'll just continue on.
2: You mentioned overnight energy prices went up 35%. Evidently, yeah. Yeah, on the yep. back end of what the gas supply being cut back another... 50 percent or something overnight
0: yeah russia coming up and declaring they're only going to supply 20 percent of the gas pipeline into europe
2: yeah right yeah it's a big issue interesting i had a quick look at a couple of the energy stocks in australia um one was the oil etf and the price of that has like it peaked a few months ago but that's that's holding fairly steady and not overly high um And the other one was just AGL, that's sort of sitting pretty steady and obviously that's an old technology energy business now I guess, but it's interesting that that's just holding fairly steadily and not taking advantage of perhaps the higher energy costs, not only in Europe but that are coming through in Australia.
0: Mm. Interesting trend, that could be one of the investment themes
2: in terms of net
1: zero carbon investing. I think the, uh, I mean, what's going on in Russia over there is, is, you know, having all kinds of ripple effects that perhaps people didn't foresee. How are you finding it's affecting, uh, you know, here across the desks with you guys with what you do with, in terms of financial planning and, and investment directly? You know, what, how, how are you seeing people react?
0: Uh, I think from my part, John, uh, investors, uh, they're certainly aware of the issues and they're doing their best to work through those issues. Uh, price rises at the everyday level for household goods is definitely on the cards. People are talking about that a lot more nowadays, uh, combined with the increased sense of volatility perhaps with regard to employment market, its impact, the food market in terms of the food shortage issues that they're referring to. So people are aware of it
1: and they are concerned in raising it. Are you seeing it reflected in the results of the, the market
0: to some degree, yeah. There's always, there's always a price imbalance or a price mismatch in regard to demand supply factors and its impact onto the investment markets and, and thereafter in regard to investment portfolios.
2: I think, John, the interest rates has been a really big theme the last probably six weeks. I mean, we knew that interest rates were going to rise. The, the 10-year bond rates had increased, you know, probably through Christmas and then further along this year. And they probably peaked out. I've got some research here. Tell us about it. Financial review. But um, yeah, the 10-year bond rate peaked at around 4.2% back around about six to eight weeks ago. Since then, that longer-term bond rate has dropped down to... uh, it's around about 3% or a little bit under. So um, there's definitely been a bit of an uplifting confidence probably in the last two or three weeks. Um, Definitely with those higher longer term rates and then the knock on with the reserve banks uh, bumping up the interest rates there was probably a fair bit of fear probably three weeks ago we saw that a little bit in our client base we probably had some clients that had some new funds to invest that maybe put those monies on the side or didn't move forward quickly in terms of setting up new investment entities like a family trust to invest those funds so we probably saw some hesitancy but Some of our, maybe our longer term clients probably took that as a buy signal. So they went contrarian to the market and wanted to get into the market. So, um, but definitely that fear has subsided. And I think that will probably push through to property markets and and other markets as well. So it'd be interesting to see what the play out is going forward because we know what it is today, but what is it going to be two, three months from now?
1: Interesting you mentioned that only three weeks ago, you know, this change in the news has caused, uh, you know, perhaps an uptick in confidence. And we've spoken in past podcasts about long-term and short-term investing. Now, three weeks is a pretty short window of change, I would have thought, in the case mm. of, you know, building your wealth over <clears throat> over a long mm. time. So, mm. you know, are we seeing post-COVID, with this war coming on, um, you know, with, with inflation rising, that, you know, th- the sentiment is changing
2: th- you know,
1: three weeks in one mode you're negative and it's all you know, bad news three weeks later it's all good news mm-hmm. I mean I'm interested in this long term play of averaging things out over time you know how do you take that from an investment advice point I, I of view I think it's
2: a good point you raise John because in the scheme of the overall cl- client base for example in our world is most people well everyone pretty much is stuck to the strategy but where there is some new monies coming through then that's where our clients have the ability to make a decision around that so you're quite right the 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 longer term scenario is generally fine and the longer term strategies people stick to but there's definitely around those those new monies where people have control over that decision i mean obviously they have control over the whole plan as well but it probably takes a bigger level of uncertainty for the whole plan to be thrown out the window yeah, I would have thought so. I, you know, I, I, I would assume a
1: steady as she goes kind of approach is is hard to ignore. Um, but Jason, what's your take on all that, mate?
0: I think there's two points. I think the era of great moderation that we've had the last 10, 20 years has definitely ended. I mean, we went through a period of low inflation, steady interest rates, uh, a buoyant equity market, a buoyant property market, some overall stability in the political system. So I think the last period that you've just referred to, yeah, I mean, all of a sudden we have, we're have we having a lot more shorter term volatility, uh, but the point that Rodney raises, and it's a valid point, the long-term outlook is still quite solid. Um, so when you invest, you're generally investing for that longer period, and therefore it, it would be fair to say for many investors, they're still bullish on the equity side uh, and possibly a little bit more conservative on the bond side. Uh, as they look for greater value and continue to grow their wealth
1: um, some years ago, you guys had invited a, a thought leader in this space, Peter Thornhill, down to talk about this long term approach to sh- investing in shares and and you know how that over time, I guess the the buoyancy of the economic market you know businesses effectively will out outstrip um, most performance indicators, and it will be you know good news long term can you guys talk to that for a moment because i think during these times of volatility Mm. when people are a bit nervous yes there might be some optimism here and there and there might be some negativity here and there but i guess being reminded of that approach is always worthwhile how do you guys talk to that
2: yeah one of peter thornhill's lines was that the investors were always nervous so they were nervous that prices were too high so they didn't want to invest they were nervous that prices were too low and there was a lot of fear around the market. So, But his view was now was always the best time to invest because generally people were fearful, but you just had to make that decision. Uh, it's interesting, y- Yarra Capital came out the other day and just said that the forward earnings rate of company profitability is around 12 and a half times, which is a fairly just a, a moderate level of future earnings. So basically the price to earnings ratio means the value in the market is very good at the moment. So we're not hearing a lot of that in the media um, to encourage people to invest their capital for a future return of, as you might've mentioned before, John, dividends. And obviously as dividends are paid out, profits increase, businesses grow, uh, then the value of your investment grows. Um, We're definitely coming through a period where employment is fairly stretched a little bit in Australia, and we're hearing companies offering different packages and incentives to get people back in the workforce or to work or switch industries. So there's definitely challenges, um, but the long-term prognosis is probably quite good, and it generally is.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think this is, I mean, you touched on it before. Even in times of negativity or in times of um, you know downturns, there's always an opportunity there waiting, isn't there? There's always a, a bargain to be had or an opportunity that emerges that may be a bit undervalued. Can you guys um, think of any examples of, of something that's I guess you know something that's emerged or you know some some shares that or some investment opportunities that may have come up at this time where you think, well, actually, that was probably a pretty good time to jump in.
0: Well, I must admit from my point of view, John, the, the clients and and therefore the investors are fairly much sticking to the to the strategy and the approach rather than um, cutting losses in some areas or profiting in other areas. And, and I think that's what's going to deliver their longer-term longer results. Without doubt in the short term, though, there, there are thematic changes in the marketplace and, and we can't deny that. It's just a question of what that means to the everyday investor uh, that has a plan in place and attempting to, to reach their financial goals.
1: Okay. Um, now, I'm going to revert back to our notes here. We had talked about economic updates, in particular in inflation. You know what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and debt. Now we haven't really talked about debt a whole lot.
2: um uh, What have you guys got to share
1: with me in, in, with regards to that?
2: Yeah, I get. I guess it swings back to the interest rate discussion. Mm-hmm. That with rates looking like they were going to to rise rapidly, and they started to. Um, we had a local real estate agent suggesting that interest rates might be up around 6% in the near term on mortgages well if we're at a, a rate period at the moment of around 3% variable well that is a huge increase and that that would definitely have some impact on demand wouldn't it but I'm not sure that that's going to be reality and those longer term rates coming back in recent weeks would suggest that that's not going to happen so you'll find that people will be back out maybe in the marketplace looking at buying a rental property, upgrading the house, maybe spending on renovations. So the market moves pretty quickly, but we've noticed with like even petrol prices, you know, I'm very keen in the fishing community and I've spoken to a few people that have downgraded boats recently and like it's three or four people I've spoken to that have either given up on a project boat or downsized to to get into a boat a with a an engine that's smaller maybe from a six cylinder to a four cylinder so it's a cheaper capital purchase but then also the ongoing cost of fuel so it's just amazing how quickly the market and those participating in that market change their their consumer behavior it happens really really quickly
1: rodney to just segue for one moment we've discussed in past podcasts that you're quite an avid fisherman do you want to tell us about your recent success
2: yeah, we had some luck down locally down at Inverloch, John. Yeah, we spent a day out fishing further up the coast and we're on the way home and we got the heads up that it looked like there was a bit of a bite happening um, off Inverloch. And um, we went out and we got the bite and we caught the fish and it was fair to say that all the networks around Taralgon and the district were eating pretty well on their sashimi and um, <laughs> and their staked tuna fillets, but... Um, yeah, a lot of the bluefin tuna catch in Australia professionally goes over to Japan at a, at a higher rate than what Australians are prepared to pay. So, it's a fairly rare product if you like for people to be dining on in Australia. So it was certainly well appreciated.
1: I was I was one of the lucky uh, recipients of of, of a, a piece of the a piece of the pie there, and um, it was delicious, let me say. But Rodney, take take some time to to about this, mate. That was very large fish. Mm.
2: Yeah, it was good. It was 119 kilo, 262 pound in the old scale. And um, there was talk of it being the first really large tuna to be brought into the Inverloc, uh boat ramp. And it created a huge amount of interest just around the pier that night on a winter's night and Saturday night. Definitely and, created um, a
1: lot of interest around my dinner table, let me just say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, we work hard at our fishing. We invest pretty heavily into it, both with, you know, who we fish with and our networks and, you know, having the right equipment, you know. So it all sort of parallels with your financial journey as well, your health journey, your financial journey, and that success, you know, take away a bit of modesty. It doesn't come, you know, it doesn't just happen, does it?
1: No, it does not. And look, um, you know... Hobbies aside, you know, you're talking about Inverloch down there. And for anyone who's dialing and doesn't realize we're in Gippsland, uh, we record this podcast out of uh, but We we sort of see Gippsland as our our neighborhood. And, um, you know, I've been hearing reports that the the average house price in Inverloch is well over a million dollars now. So property prices, we've seen that surge, I guess, in in the course of recording this podcast. We've seen property prices surging, but perhaps stagnating a little bit now or settling down a little bit. Do you guys want to? Um, uh, how do you see that? How do you how do you sort of talk to property prices?
2: It's an interesting market. I don't know if you've got a comment on it, Jace. I keep an eye on it. Obviously, with all the boating around the the holiday
0: resort areas. Oh, I think just in the short term, there's always price adjustment, John. Uh, that's just the reality of investing in the marketplace, be it property or equities. Certainly, in the last six months to twelve months, though, um, post pandemic, if you like the demand for local property has increased significantly. So uh, naturally having supply constraints that's going to cause price increases um, and then at some point in time through that cycle it plateaus and and finds its its balance if you like. Um, interestingly from my point of view has been the, my, the, the, the people shift if you like out of metro areas into the regional areas and the impact that's had on the supply side and, and the demand side. And um, as people seek to free up their time, look for lifestyle, have a lot more flexibility in their work routine and patterns, uh, I think um, over the coming period, there's going to be continued upward pressures on prices. But at some point, that'll adjust as well.
1: Interestingly, I saw an article coming out of uh, a newspaper in South Gippsland recently where the local community were um, pushing for... I guess, a reconnection of their rail line because of the commuters that had moved to the area who were still, Mm -hmm. I guess, commuting back to the city and they want to see their their rail line reconnected, which, um, you know, I guess, which is an interesting one.
0: Yeah. I mean, the reality is, according to the official stats, uh, only 30 to 40% of people have returned to the office in the CBD, as in the Metro CBD. So either people are working from home uh, or they are doing that shift and moving into the regional areas, uh, either way, it has an impact on the labour market, it has an impact on the property prices uh, and the economic consequences that you have to deal with uh, as a partner process.
1: Jason, I'm looking over at your side of the desk there and there's quite a few bits of paper there with some things highlighted. would not you tell us about what you've got in front of you?
0: look it's an interesting report it's actually issued by um one of the leading institutions globally uh, on the investment market called blackrock and um we talk about themes in our industry and our profession quite a bit and they've certainly targeted three themes for the global marketplace and the investment market specifically Uh, and we've touched on those already basically being the price mismatch on the demand versus supply causing inflationary pressures And, and we all know the cost of living has increased uh, the other theme is uh, living with greater volatility, and we've we've touched on that today too, which is quite interesting. So we're all cognizant of of the environment we're in. Uh, and the third one, which is interesting for me, uh, mainly because I'm a little bit more of a um, skeptic, if you like, is uh, net zero carbon targets and the impact that has on the marketplace and. That is going to create opportunities, but there are going to be consequences, and um, so they're the three main themes they're speaking about. And it's interesting we're talking about those as well.
1: Mm. Do you want to pick those themes apart a little bit? Let's start with that volatility piece. What are they? You know, what are they sort of?
0: So the, the volatility is focusing on the short-term mismatching, if you like, and um, we have political volatility in regard to unstable governments becoming stable governments over a period of time, and you have market volatility in regard to the past 10, 20 years has been an era of demand-driven economies Hmm. now it's an era of supply constraint-driven economies and that's causing that price mismatch and 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 volatility yeah 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 and so
1: uh, i think that supply constraint factor you know we we see that with ukraine russia what's going on there you know things not making it through uh, products that we can't get so readily uh you know things like building materials food stock yeah and also the labor market john i mean
0: during the pandemic people weren't working or some people were working or people were working in different
1: ways and dealing with that labor
0: market consequence as a result
1: mm. now Jason you mean you mentioned before you're also you know, slightly skeptical about the the net zero approach and everyone has their opinion everyone's entitled to their opinion There's a whole gamut of opinions it seems like that um, you know the market is going that way what is the report saying what's your take on that
0: uh, the report's saying that there's going there are opportunities with it uh, but there are going to be consequences so you shut one industry down and open up a new industry, yeah, there's there's the, the period of transition. And what happens during that period of transition is demand supply constraints, the impact on pricing, what's it going to do for particular industries. There's
1: probably a factor there too with education, training of, 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 of staff and workers as well. And I think, look, yep. regardless of the debate, you know, green or not, you're right, shutting down an industry or transitioning an industry is always going to be a lot of work with a lot of legislation that needs to come through, a lot of new practice that needs to happen, isn't it?
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It impacts the fiscal policies, monetary policies, labour market reform, infrastructure reform. What does that mean for alternative investment raising in the marketplace? Because a lot of these um, industries and infrastructure is going to require alternate asset investing. Um, so how do you structure for that in the marketplace to go to the market to raise capital, to get the interest of investors, to consider it as an alternative asset to invest into? And then what's the, the prognosis with the investment time time frame? Hmm. Uh, and, and where does that fit in with the investor's goals and needs?
1: In terms of an opportunity's sake, I mean, if we cast our mind back to the Rockefellers of the world who were the early adopters that got into, you know, oil mining and whatnot, you know, are we looking at a bit of a, um, a nascent industry here where early adopters might, you know, in the long, long term actually really benefit from it?
0: There is that potential, particularly with the current government in place and, and their focus on it uh, more so. Um, could well place those particular investors in a better position over the longer period, there's assuming def- it comes to There's relation. definitely
2: some volatility in those markets. We, we do have some clients that have got some, some focus and some real, I guess, um, I don't know, belief in in the renewable sector but uh, the return profile of those markets it it is fairly concentrated if you like so the returns can be quite volatile compared to like an average market fund so not quite as
1: volatile as Bitcoin say or uh, digital currency
2: yeah well maybe the, the probably profile is probably similar to a point maybe not quite as volatile but certainly up there so it's something we Certainly, caution people that that want to go into these spaces that there is extra volatility. So, longer term, you're probably right, John. The return profile could be quite positive, but it just means in the short term, you're going to have to go into the sector, realizing that there'll be probably ups and downs. So, yeah.
1: Now, guys, just in that uh, in that in that small piece there, we we touched on the the point that there's been a change in government. Now, you know like inflation and a war and a pandemic wasn't enough. We've also seen a change in government. So there has been a lot going on since the last podcast. Now, without necessarily talking about this government in particular, and we can come back to that, I'm curious over the course of 20 to 30 years, you know, when there has been a change in government, when there has been a change from one party to another, how has the market reacted? How have investors reacted? What opportunities has there been? You know, what has been the implication of a change like that?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Overall, the return profile from the different governments is mixed. There, there's been times where the economies and the markets have increased with particular governments. There's been times where governments on the other side of the fence where the re- returns have been, been lesser. But I think overall there's no hard and fast rule that if there's a conservative government, the returns are good. Um, if there's a, a, a labour government, the returns are, are bad. I don't think it's that simplistic, and obviously the different industry sectors are, are probably going to be affected by by specific policies in the shorter term, aren't they? But but definitely, there's no there's no real correlation between a certain government and certain outcomes. That might be a bit of a simplistic view.
1: Yeah, maybe, mm. Jason.
0: Uh, I agree entirely. It's a complex it's a complicated space, and. Um Yeah, it's not one way or the other, if you like. But the core fundamentals are there, right? So it's about economic trade-offs. It's about managing inflation. It's about putting food on the table, ensuring infrastructures in place, industries are thriving, people have work. Uh, So even with a change in government, all it means is really, sure, policy approaches will change, but the core fundamentals remain the same.
1: Yeah. Now we've seen uh, interest rates being risen by the Reserve Bank. They're bringing basis points up every month. Um, you know, this is a this is a function of government, which is above, you know, the Prime Minister, and I guess and, and I guess they're You know, do the governments have much say when the central banks are the ones sort of pulling the levers? Well, that can certainly impact the direction with monetary policy,
0: particularly in our country. Uh, whether it's a, a direct consequence is another question. Uh, but the central banks, whether it's the Aussie Central Bank in the Reserve Bank of Australia or the Fed Reserve over in the United States, can't have it both ways. They can't, on the one hand, have policies in place constraining economic growth, and then on the other hand, not be happy with the inflationary pressures that causes. That's just a fact of life now, and um, how, they, how they interact with the marketplace and the impact that has
2: uh, remains to be seen. Does the government directly meet with the Reserve? Um, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't know. There,
0: there would be some influence. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Bearing in mind has to be at arm's length, right? So,
1: yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, there's just so many things going on. There's just so many things to talk about. I want to come back to the, the humble mum and dad investor. And often in these meetings, when we when when they would come and see someone like you, you know, there's this risk profile that gets attached to them. You know, are they aggressive? Are they moderate? Are they conservative? And with that comes, in, in, in I guess, a, a, a an asset mix. You know, there'll always be some some suggestion of of some you know some some bank money, some bond money, some property money, and, and and I guess that that those proportions get changed. Are you guys seeing those proportions recommended by the fund managers changing drastically, or are they really sort of sticking true to? To, to the, I guess, the traditional um, uh, allocations?
2: It's a good question. There's definitely been some concern ar- around the bond markets. Mm. We were on a conference uh, a couple of months ago and there were some groups that had fairly sizable allocation to bond markets, which would indicate that they viewed their clients perhaps a little bit more conservatively or the preservation of the actual capital was more important. But bond prices, because of the big jump up in the bond rates, people actually lost up to around 10% of their capital in, in the short term. So in terms of the, the valuation of those investments, so that created a bit of concern, and I, there was definitely a push towards the shorter dated bonds that, that weren't impacted by that longer-term uh, outlook, but the horse had kind of bolted, so that's where it, it is important that that initial risk profile and and that it's reviewed regularly to make sure that it's appropriate, we definitely had a group of clients um, nearing retirement or moving into retirement where we allocated a a significant percentage towards annuities where it was appropriate and where the client was prepared to, to go into that style of investment. But that definitely helped us have perhaps less exposure to the bond market. And so therefore, any market volatility that those clients Felt were definitely in the longer-term portion of their portfolios, where they had equities and maybe exposure to property, and so forth. Mm.
1: So. Has there been much request from your client base to reassess or look at again with fresh eyes their investment mix? Well,
2: the
0: investors are always keen to ensure they're on track. So I think the geopolitical instability globally, the changing in government in our own country the pricing mismatch in the marketplace just brings forward their concerns to raise the questions to
1: seek that advice
0: to make sure they're on track.
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, I would think that uh, some level of regular review is, is a critical piece there anyway, right? How, how frequently do you guys recommend people be reviewing their, their asset mix?
2: It would definitely ne- should be reviewed every 12 months. Yeah, for sure. But we, we find the average investor probably has a changing circumstance every three to four years so obviously that's a really key time to to relook at the allocation particularly if there's new investment available but generally at least once a year on the strategic allocation of the portfolio and just making sure the client's comfortable because because over time certain allocations can increase as a percentage of the portfolio so it's whether or not it's maintained or whether there's comfort to go with that market movement and obviously make a decision on that.
1: Okay. Now, Rodney, I'm looking across your side of the table and I'm also seeing some articles spread out there. So uh, what have you got there for us, mate? What's been piking your interest?
2: Well, I was playing golf with a fellow the other day and I'd seen that he'd advertised a a vehicle for his father. It was a Toyota Land Cruiser and there's been a lot of talk about the alternate assets where people are pre-buying like boats or cars and being able to drive around in a car for 12 months, trade it in and it effectively not cost them anything. So anyway, I asked him, I said, I had the sale of that Land Cruiser going. He goes, oh, it was all right. We advertised at 115,000. We had a couple of dealers ring and offer 95. And he said, in the end, we had a a retail offer uh, at 100. So they obviously had to, do a test drive and do all the paperwork themselves and so they got a hundred thousand for it and what's interesting in this little article um, is that the second hand market price for cars had jumped back around the COVID period by up to 40 percent so there was probably an arbitrage in selling the Land Cruiser back a couple of years ago that may not be there now so if they've sold at a hundred the car yards offered ninety five effectively, which is a wholesale price. The arbitrage is probably gone, and it's reflective in the the pricing um, shown in this particular article now. So, and that's and that's what um, you know you are up against in terms of where people are investing their money. We've definitely seen clients and people in the community buying assets like cars and maybe even watches or boats. We've spoken about it. Maybe that side, that euphoria in the market might be nearly gone now.
1: Interesting in in a sense that uh, there's an opportunity there for people to mix pleasure and and I guess well pain's not the right word but pleasure with investment <laughs> and pleasure with you know their own long term growth. I mean if you're into cars, you're into boats or watches all these type of things, then uh, you know there has been yeah interesting results. Chase, you got any stories to add to that?
0: No, no, just that I don't have any stories to add, but the the consumer and investor behaviour in the current marketplace is interesting.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we haven't even touched on on uh, digital currency yet either.
2: No, no, it's starting to show a bit of a comeback. I see Ethereum's up ten or twelve percent today. And
1: and how's Dogecoin going?
2: Yeah, it hasn't been going too well, has it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I'm
1: sure it's Doggy Coin. I'm sure it's not Doge. I'm sure it's Doggy <laughs> Coin. I'm Do- just wait. I'm waiting for the the, the Cat Coin it's gonna come.
2: Yeah. That's interesting times, John, but definitely the crypto market. When you start to see that most of the NBL teams are are um sponsored by these uh exchanges of crypto and the F one Formula One Grand Prix and things, you start to go, Oh yeah, is that now the time to be getting into that sector?
1: Well, I mean think about the knock on effects, all the you know all the young girls and boys out there and grades four to six who are you know, idolising these teams and these players and mm-hmm. they're starting to think that's normal. Well, probably in five to 10 years, that is going to be the normal. That. Are we behind the wave maybe?
2: Maybe, you, you never know, but it could there could be good timing for getting into those markets if you're ever going to get into them. Um, there were some ETFs come out in the Australian market last year and it was right at the all-time highs of those asset prices and there was some talk around... You know, with clients going into them, you sort of said, well, do you really want to buy into that price? But maybe now could be the time, particularly if interest rates are going to hold and ease off. Maybe there's some upside again. Mm. Interesting I, times, aren't they?
1: I suppose it all comes down to your risk profile, doesn't it? You know, how happy are you to be exposed to risk? And, you know, at, on one end of the spectrum, you know, there's that money that you stash in the suitcase. On the other end of the spectrum is that money you throw at the at the horse races. So... uh <laughs> You know, somewhere along the lines, the, the the digital currency's fallen there, as do other other share trades. Well, I,
2: I think John, the conversation has changed a bit, hasn't it? Like the, to fill up your car down at the petrol station now is very expensive. You go into the supermarket, mm. the cost of living is very high at the moment and
1: so. volatile. I think like it just seems yeah. to be swinging a lot, doesn't
2: it? Okay,
0: market volatility is there definitely. Mm. Interesting. I was talking to a client yesterday overseas, and uh, he's a digital nomad uh, type contractor, if you like. Uh, sharing with me that the average pay increase per annum overseas at the moment is 15%. Whoa. So, you know, uh, what impact that has on the marketplace will be interesting. But in addition to that, um, he was sharing with me that uh, a lot of his colleagues are into crypto. They're they're doubling up. They're going back in and up to 20 to 30% of the investment portfolio is in the crypto space. Yep. Okay. So markets move in cycles. People look for the opportunities. If their appetite for risk is greater,
1: they'll explore that and uh, and dip their toes in. And that probably is the message I think to the listeners as well is that you know get to know and have a think about your your willingness or your your comfort with exposure to risk because any of these um, investment vehicles is a valid one for the right person, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. As
1: you say, the appetite for risk and where it fits in. Now, Rodney, um, those articles there, there's a lovely uh, printed image of a, a whole lot of wine there. Have you been uh, investing in any <laughs> wine yourself?
2: No, nah, not really, John. I lay a little bit low in that area. But mm. um,
1: What would you recommend to go with a nice tuna?
2: Oh, well, we've got the, the Penfolds brand here, haven't we? <laughs> You're not going to go wrong there. But what was interesting, the reason I brought that one in was just the change with with China um, applying the high tariffs to the Australian winemakers, our our sales into China virtually dropped from over a billion dollars a year to virtually nothing. And uh, what's interesting, and we're just seeing it with a lot of markets, how quickly companies and individuals adapt to the change, and Penfolds have set up winemaking facilities in China now, so now they're making Penfolds made in China uh, wine. So... And you know, obviously their their sales are going to be pretty strong, and they've also set up facilities in the U- U.S. as well. So it's amazing how quickly corporations and organisations adapt to 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 these hurdles thrown in front of them.
1: Good opportunity for the brand, isn't it, to uh, to take the brand and adapt it to another another market?
2: Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what their their internal forecasts are and what they're trying to achieve from it, um, and maybe it's going to provide a lot more growth for them longer term than the previous model
1: all right guys well look we have covered quite a lot today um and i, I dare say we could have gone a lot deeper into a lot of those topics because there hedge has just been so much going on right now um but look i guess you know is there any other points you guys wanted to cover off before we start to wind up
0: no, I think it's just a good opportunity for investors, John, to get back to the, to the drawing board, You know, talk to their financial advisors, talk to their peers, ensure they're on track, um, recognising the fact that markets move. Uh, they go up, they go down, they're moving cycles uh, in the short term and what's important is the focus on the long term.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Rodney, any other t- key takeaways you want to share to sort of sum up what we've been talking about today?
2: Probably for me the big one is outsourcing. Um, is there a point? where if you're not at the moment, is there a point where you outsource the support around your financial affairs? So for me, I think the way the world is with technology and scalability, I think we all need to look at our own individual scalability and can we do more or less in our employment to create better future income streams and can we create better financial outcomes and create a better personal lifestyle by outsourcing the financial aspects of, of your life so that's probably my takeaway
1: well and yeah i think the underlying message there really is you know get help seek advice if you're not sure don't be scared to ask someone i mean we mm. go to the doctor we we have coaches we have trainers um you know most of us go to school at some point in our life and we get advice from people um you know why, why not ask Yeah,
2: mm. i think Fair even point. you've got a professional network you, you're involved with john where you go to and run ideas past people, hear what they're doing in their businesses and it helps you move forward with what you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And then look, again, trying, trying to put my 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 head in the ears of the listeners out there, you know, if you're sitting out there and you don't have someone to ask, reach out. Um, either contact Jason and Rodney at, at Ropan or, or, you know, find your nearest financial advisor or even ask your accountant or... Heck, you know, if you have to ask an auntie or an uncle or somebody, just, uh, you know, don't be confused. You know, there is information out there. You can get advice. And um, as we've heard today, the market is moving. There's a lot of things going on. You know, speak to someone.
0: Yep, good points.
1: All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, I suppose we'll, we'll wrap it up. And uh, in summary, uh, two words to, to sum up what we've discussed today, Jace. Continue on. Rodney. Seek advice. Excellent, guys. All right, thank you very much. For anyone who's interested in having a more in-depth discussion about the things we've discussed today, please by all means reach out directly to Rodney and Jason. You'll find their contact information by visiting ropan.com.au. That's r o p a n.com.au. But of course, if you have your own financial advisors or trusted friends who you have who have your best interests at heart, reach out to them as well. Okay, that's all from us today. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next installment of Conversations on Wealth.
2: We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please note that the
0: advice discussed in this podcast may not necessarily be suitable to you because it contains general advice that has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. We ask that you please seek personal financial advice prior to acting on this information. To find out more about what was discussed in this podcast or to seek advice, we encourage you to contact the friendly staff at Ropan Financial Services by visiting www.ropan.com.au or referring to the notes in the description.